Sign up for the nation news at ronandonradio.com. Hey, you guys. What's going on? It's Ron and Don. We're live from the Les Schwab Studios with episode 253 now of the Ron and Don Show. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk about Kobe Bryant no longer with us, but his contract with Nike was supposed to be a lifelong contract until his wife just stepped in. We'll tell you why she stepped in, and is it fair to Nike, and is it fair to the Kobe Bryant estate? We'll talk about that. Also, what about this fatal crash? It just happened with Tesla. Are we going to see more of these fatal crashes, and is that a result of just trying to find out how we can build battery-operated cars that autonomous, that are autonomous? Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Ron just did something very interesting. He's like, you know, my brother and I, because of COVID, well, before COVID, we're planning to go to Italy, and we're going to eat some pizza over in Italy. Didn't work out. So we're like, well, let's go to Little Italy, maybe in a place like New York City, and we'll eat some pizza there. Anyway, I was watching this on social media. It looks like you guys had a heck of a trip. You like to travel. What was traveling like? And uh, I know you guys were in search of the world's best pizza. Did you find it in New York City? Well, there's there's a couple things going on here. One is uh, I, I I like food. I'm a, a foodie or whatever you want to call it, and and enjoy doing that. Usually, usually it's the second or third item on the list. So, like if I'm going to go somewhere, food will definitely be a big part of it. But I don't go exclusively for the food. My brother is a pizza fanatic, and so that's his thing. And, um, we've been trying to hang out together more. And so I just think for, for everyone out there, it's like, okay, like I normally probably wouldn't do this trip if it was just by myself, but it's, it, that's his thing. So I went along, uh, and enjoyed it, but it mostly it's like, okay, my brother, this is the thing that's been on his bucket list. He's wanted to do this because if you go right now to Google and you type in best pizzerias in America, Usually there are three in the top 10 are going to be in New Haven, Connecticut of all places. And, 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 and he is constantly, he just wants to try them all. So he's like, I, they always show up there. I'm super curious. What is it about these three places? There were two of them were within a block of each other. Wow. Why are these places considered the best pizzerias in America? And so we, we met there and we traveled and we went to, uh, we had way too much pizza in like a 48 hour period. Yeah. Uh, it was like six or I think six different pizzerias. Then it was very interesting. But here's the thing that I was thinking of when I, I, I thought about the Ron and Don show in the, in the podcast. Is, is, uh, and we talked about this in, in our previous episode, uh, with Ed and Doc is putting yourself in a situation where you don't know and it's a little uncomfortable. So we went, the first place we went to is called Frank Pepe's on all, a bunch of lists, not uni- uniformly, but on a lot of lists, this is considered by people that know pizza as the number one restaurant in America. So you can go to like all the different ranking sites and this is a whole underground internet movement for not rest, but for pizza pizzerias. For pizzas, yeah. You type in, you know, and they have the pizza world championship. Like it's a whole subculture. You will see Frank Pepe's 
on the top or one or two on, on a ton of different lists. So we waited in line, like we're waiting in line for like an hour just to get in. Wow. We, they're, they're world famous for a white clam pizza. Ugh. And, uh, Ugh. and then what they call a tomato pie. Ugh. And so we said, all right, we're getting the, my brother's not a, a seafood eater. I'm like, you're having at least one slice. This is the world famous. This is considered the best pizza in America. With so clams. White clam pizza and, and the, and the, the, the tomato pie. So we get it. And both of us, like we've been looking forward to it. We traveled across the country. Like I took planes, trains, and automobiles. Like he rented a car, like the whole nine. We got an Airbnb. Like we spent a lot of money to get there. And it was sort of like, okay, like, all right. Like the, neither of us were jacked up about this pizza, but we sat there and it's actually him more than me. He's like, well, what are we not getting? Like, what is it like, what are we, if, if a bunch of experts say that this is the best and then we travel here, is it the way we grew up? Is it that this isn't what we're used to is, are we being closed minded? Like it's not the best pizza for us too, but a lot of other people say that it is. And so I, I thought that when I was sitting there, I was like, man, this is a great object lesson just in life. If a bunch of people that are world renowned at what they do say, this is the thing. And then you go try that thing. And you're like, eh, it's not my thing. Maybe it's me. Yeah. Maybe it was us. And so we, we really took a moment hmm. to sit there and That's we good. talked to the waiter uh, and we talked to the guy that was there and we sort of talked to some other patrons and we're like, okay, this would not be our best pizza in America. But it's a lot of people's best piece of America. What is the takeaway here? Like, how can we interface with this city uh, and get a, a real, uh, authentic experience or experience what they're offering, and yet also be objective to what I like and what I consider to be the perfect slice of pizza? And and I I, I went away from the trip trying to just have that mindset more of going. I know what I like. How do I, how do I unlock what other people think is great and, and try to get in their shoes and go, okay, if I grew up here and this was the thing, like people were lined up around the block every day. We could not get close. There's another pizzeria down the street called Sally's. We walked up there. It's like, oh, it's a two hour wait. It's like, it's a middle of a it's a middle of a day. Like what do you mean it's a 2 hour wait? We got there like 11 a.m. It's already a 2 hour wait. And then you have it and you're like, "Okay, it's not my thing." So what is it about that in that city? And this probably happens in Chicago or wherever you grew up where there's a thing and if you're from Seattle, you come in and you're like, "Eh, I don't know if I get it. I don't know if it's great. Why is it great?" So I don't know. Do you, do you get what I'm, I'm sort of driving at? Yeah, and I, and, and I don't like seafood. But for instance, when friends of mine would would come to New Orleans, for instance, and they would want to go shuck oysters, it's like I don't like oysters, but the 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 pomp, the circumstance, where the oysters come from, uh, the way that they're presented, the way they're shucked, you can watch them being shocked and then the way you get to kind of participate in this thing and people come from all over the world to to eat these that they're, they're called acne oysters yeah right? i've had them and they they stand down there in the french quarter for hours so it's very similar even though i don't like oysters i get it i understand it and i appreciate it uh and and it's 
it's taken me it's it's taken me years though to figure that out because it used to be oysters are horrible. How can people like oysters? And I had no appreciation. What I just had to learn is that you know I have a gag reflex when it comes to certain <laughs> types of seafood that I don't like. And in that case, with the oysters, it is me. Like like I know I know it is me. That's a blind spot. I don't get it, uh, but I get it. Over right. time, I'm 54 years old now. I I I I. I I, I get that. So. so I think, I mean, for me, I was hoping that people, when they listen to this, would like a couple things. One, what if you have a friend or a relative or an acquaintance that they have a thing, go do the thing. My brother at one point was like, man, I'm so glad you came because there's, there's no one else that would have done this with me. He goes, I've always wanted to do this. I was. I thought I would do it by myself because he makes pizza, makes dough, does does. Oh all yeah, pizza ovens. Like he's he's dough. like that's his thing, and so he's like, thank you for. It's like yeah, totally. Like it's it's. I wouldn't have missed it. Like it's great. Mm-hmm. And so if someone has a thing that's a big deal to them, go do the thing that's a big deal to them. Like I, I just think that's that's the thing that I learned. And then the other thing was, even if it's not your greatest if it's somebody else's greatest let it be their greatest yeah so for the people in new haven that are proud of this street yeah like i'm glad that they're proud of that street Mm -hmm. it would not be on my top 10 list yeah but that doesn't mean that it's not the greatest for a bunch of people in the world and they long for it it reminds them a home yeah and they can't wait to go down there as soon as they come back to visit yeah it's like when we went to paris and everyone says i bet you can't wait to get there and just walk down the street and eat a baguette right and and so like what are you talking about and we went to paris and you watch people you watch really beautiful women in fact walk, walk down the street with with these baguettes and 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 they're just chomping on them as they're walking down the street and and I I didn't quite get it. I went into the barber shop. My barber was in there smoking a cigarette. And for lunch, he's in there. He's having a cup of coffee. He's eating a baguette. Everywhere I went, people were eating a baguette. And I'm like, there's something about the baguette that I'm not getting that that is literally baked into that culture. Uh, but if you just kind of stay open-minded, it's like, yeah, I tried one of the baguettes and it was fine. And it wasn't so much about the baguette. I think it's about the culture around, around the baguette. In yeah. Paris, maybe. Right. So it was fun. So, uh, go to my Facebook. I've got all the different pizzas, uh, pictures of all of them. What was the best one? Uh, the best one was, uh, probably a bate, which was not on everybody's list. Mm. Uh, there was another one that I'm blanking on their name right now. The best moment for me of, of my food moment on this trip is I went to Ivan Ramen in New York city, yeah. uh, who was featured on chef's table on Netflix and Ivan walks up you sent me a picture, and I'm like, Ivan, cause he's one of these guys that has restaurants in Vegas and oh, Dallas really? and Austin. Like he's got a, a empire of restaurants yeah. and he's dropping something off. At, I happened to be right there, right when he showed up and we had a chat for five or 10 minutes and that was great. Are those his restaurants or are they just using his name? Oh, that's, that's his restaurant. They're his restaurants. And he's, he, why, if you've never watched chef's table yeah. on Netflix, go look up the uh, I, Ivan Rep- yeah. episode i think it's season two yeah and it's it was great all right love it hey uh let's talk more on the other side of this if you're downsizing upsizing or right sizing ron and don can help you buy sell or invest in real estate it all starts with a ron and don sit down i had grown to trust the image of ron and don 
you know, doing their, their advocacy for all the charities and stuff that they do. And I thought, well, they seem like good guys. Let's go for it. When I uh, decided to put my home on the market, it was a natural for me to choose them to list the property. Ron and Don proposed a sit-down, so they came over to our house. They came super prepared, and they came more in learning mode, right, and what was important to each of us. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had several suggestions on, you know, when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. They were precise and clear. They managed our expectations well. If Don saw, you know, a risk or an area of concern he wanted us to be aware of, they just they just did a superb job. And they seemed personally interested in the houses we would tour. I think both of them said at some point when we were apologizing at how many houses we looked at, said, we love looking at houses. They didn't hesitate to jump in and make this the house for us. They do have a way of making you feel like they're your only client. <laughs> That's super important to me. I don't think we'd have this house if, if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. I think I was just so impressed with the quality of the work that they did. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. It was the best case scenario. We couldn't have done better. It couldn't have been a better experience. The buying process was wonderful and the selling process felt like we were their most important project. I I couldn't be happier with the experience we had. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. You can become a sponsor of the Ron and Don Show. Just go to glow.fm slash Ron and Don Radio. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 253. We're licensed brokers at Windermere. Really busy right now, you guys. Uh, why don't you sit down with us? That's what a lot of people in the Ron and Don Nation are doing. Go to ronanddonsitdown.com today. We do sit-downs every morning starting at 730. And uh, let's talk about life's biggest transaction a lot of times. Has to do with the piece of real estate you own or you're trying to buy. We'd love to help you, helping a lot of people in the Ron and Don Nation this year. And we also have a couple books. In fact, uh, you just wrote a book. Yeah, you can get our free uh, buyer's playbook, our seller's playbook, right at ronandonsitdown.com. It's a free download. Uh, We're working on releasing a much longer version for sellers, and uh, that should be out here shortly. Yeah. Uh, Tesla, uh, that stock has just soared this year. And we know that when it comes to battery-operated cars, This is really a car that everybody wants to own, everybody wants to buy, and everybody wants to drive. In fact, I'm building a little garage right now in my house, and I have prepared that garage, prepared a place in the garage to plug a car in. And I have thought about, I have a friend that has a used Tesla, thinking about getting a new one. And so I thought about maybe buying her her used Tesla. Uh, We also know that when it comes to technology, when it comes to those batteries, when it comes to lithium batteries, people now around the world are killing each other for lithium. We also know when these cars crash, they burn hot because of these batteries. Uh, and in some cases, uh, people inside these cars uh, can be unrecognizable. Uh, there was just a crash down in the Southwest with a Tesla vehicle. And they said this particular Tesla vehicle, they don't think that anyone was in the driver's seat. There was someone in the back seat, someone in the passenger seat. And even though they've been experimenting with driverless cars and there's some technology in the car 
where you're supposed to be able to basically put it on cruise control and let the car drive itself, you're still supposed to sit over in the driver's seat, right? In case something happens. And in this case, something happened and there wasn't a driver in that seat. Uh, my concern, Ron, when I, when I look at this, is do you think we're enabling a lot of drunk drivers, for instance, because we'll find out or maybe we'll never find out because these people were incinerated in, the, in, in this vehicle crash. Are you concerned about people going out, going to a bar, getting wasted and saying, well, we're in, we're in Tesla, we're in an autonomous vehicle, I'll jump in the passenger seat, you jump in the back seat, and we'll let our car take us home where do you think autonomous vehicles are going and do you think 10 years from now because now all the big automakers are out there saying yeah by 2035 you're not going to be able to buy a gas powered engine it's all going to be battery operated and many of these will have autonomous technology in them well let's go back to the underlying accident those guys are at fault in their idiotic for going at highway speed and not being having anyone in the driver's seat. So the fact that that it, it's tragic that the car crashed, uh, but to to not have someone behind the wheel of a car, even of a Tesla, I've driven a Tesla in autonomous mode. It's a trip. What's it's, it like? It's very bizarre. A friend Jordan, who you know, yeah. that we went to a football game with, uh, he has one, and he let me drive it. First off, out of the gate, the torque is unlike any other car yeah. uh, you've ever, unless you've driven like a Formula One car mm-hmm. or a te- uh, like a, a NASCAR or something, or a really powerful sports car. It, zero to 60 in like a second. Like yeah. it's crazy the torque that you feel. And then you basically. You know, Jordan was in the passenger seat and he let me drive. And so he engaged the autonomous. You take your hands off the wheel. I was merging. If you know where you're coming north on 405 and you take, you get onto 520 going to Redmond. There's that. It's sort of like two or three lanes that converge and then you go into 520 into Bellevue. There's some technical driving there. There's some technical driving there. I let go of the wheel coming around that turn going towards Redmond off from 405 to 520. And um, I kept, he's like, quit hovering on the wheel. Like my hands were about to touch it. He's like, it's got it. So like you're driving there at highway speed. Wow, I didn't know you did this. That's and uh, it is, it's steering the car mm. and it is seeing the lanes and yeah. seeing the other vehicles. And it, it was very freaky. Um, but I, I never thought, Oh, let me get in the back seat. <laughs> like you're, you're there and you're driving. Yeah. Uh, I think that, um, it, the technology will get to the place where it could drive you home. Uh, and I don't necessarily think that would be a bad thing. I, I don't think that should be the goal, though. I mean, the goal of these is to have um, – well, maybe I should step back because I've read some stuff on it. If you had interconnected cars, the traffic jam as we know it would go away because the, the biggest problem with um, human drivers – is that we were really bad at forecasting what we're going to do, anticipating other drivers. You could pack in a lot more cars yeah. on limited roads right. if the cars could anticipate what everyone's doing and telegraph to the cars around you so that you don't have to slam on the brakes. Everyone might slow down five miles an hour, speed up, and you're just moving a larger volume of cars. So that that is down the road. But, I mean, I think the safety stuff with Tesla that they've invented is phenomenal. 
And it, it is a game changer. And like, that's why the valuation of that car company that puts out very few cars comparatively is, is through the roof. And so, um, you know, I think that's going to continue to progress. I think it's smart that we continue to progress that way. I would love, I bet you, if you looked at the Tesla truck, I've looked at the Tesla truck. I see you in a Tesla truck. Yeah. And, and then I, and then when they first came out, I was in a number of those models, but I haven't been in an autonomous uh, vehicle. And, 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 and I wonder, like, I like, like when I'm driving, uh, I like driving, like I, I like driving the car. And, and my question is, if, even if you're over in the driver's seat and you turn it into the autonomous mode, you know, what are you going to do? Does that give you an opportunity then to get on a screen? Cause we spend the, we spend our whole lives on, on, on screens. I'll give an example. The other, the other day, uh, my son and I, we, I, I borrowed your bike cause I wanted to have a bike that I could ride a little slower. Uh, what are you with, saying about my bike? With my little boy, I wanted a dad bike, right? So, so Ron has a dad bike, a great dad bike. So I jumped on this bike and we had to ride all the way up this hill to go get uh, some pizza. And we got to the top of the hill and he was pretty wiped out and, and we had to walk our bikes at a, a couple points. And, and he was a little mad at me when we were walking our bikes. There's one of these hot, hot days in Seattle in April, which is incredible. And then we sat down to, to eat this pizza and, and, and we talked about how maybe this was the best pizza that we ever had. And the reason the pizza was so good is because we had worked for it because we rode these bikes uh, up this hill. And, and then as we sat there, and I reflected on it later on, I went, you know what? That was one of the coolest things that I've ever done with him. Because a lot of times when we go to pizza, we'll have a conversation, and then he'll say, Daddy, can I play a game? It'll pull out a screen, and it'll start, start playing on that screen. Well, there was no screen to play on because I left my phone at home. He didn't have a screen. And so we had to sit there and deal with each other. And it was really great because we did that. Then we went and got some Molly Moons. And then the, the, the way home, it was all downhill. So we really enjoyed that. But it was my concern sometimes with all the technology that, that we're using and embracing. It's cool, but to what end? Because sometimes just going out and driving, like last year, I remember driving this 83 and a half old Westphalia. Uh, and we went on a little trip. And, and, and the thing, every time you let go of the wheel, that thing would pull to the right way to the right had no air conditioning we're over in uh the eastern washington had all the windows opened up and i mean you had to drive this vehicle there was no looking at screens i couldn't even look at a map i if i had to look at a map i'd have to stop and look on my phone and there was something though about being engaged and driving that vehicle there was something about being engaged and riding that bike the other day and then being engaged with each other without those screens so what are you going to do when you're not driving the car i don't get it Probably eat. <laughs> More on the other side of this. With over a million plays, the Ron and Don radio show is the fastest growing show in the Pacific Northwest. All right, you guys, as you just heard, we're uh, licensed brokers at Windermere. If you need us, just reach out, Ron and Don, sitdown.com, and let's get on that real estate journey. Uh, together so seems like not that long ago kobe bryant and uh his little girl passed away in that helicopter crash uh kobe bryant after the nba his his time in the nba uh signed a brand new lucrative contract it was a lifetime contract with nike uh if you look at some of the other great sports athletes out there that have uh lifetime contracts bo jackson bo knows he has a lifetime contract 
uh, with Nike. Michael Jordan, of course, has a lifetime contract with Nike, and they think that he will make more off the Air Jordan than any other product uh, that's ever been sold uh, by Nike. And also, it's uh, the Air Apparent. It's apparent for the Air Apparent uh, that it's been very, very lucrative for Michael and will continue to be for his estate when Michael is no longer uh, with us, right? So let's rewind now. It was a 10-year contract. Uh, and at the We're end talking of, for Kobe now? Yeah, at the end of 10 years, the Kobe Bryant estate, or Kobe Bryant, because they thought he'd be around, could make a decision. Do we want to continue for the next 10 years? And, 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 and Kobe had the ability to just kind of check in with Nike every 10 years. Well, Vanessa Bryant, who's now in charge of his estate, she checked in with Nike and she said, you know what we'd like you to do is every time there's a Kobe Bryant shoe for sale, uh, they sell out and people line up around the block and you make millions of dollars off the Kobe Bryant shoe. And in fact, when you look at some of the NBA greats right now or some of the guys coming up in the NBA, many of them were wearing the Kobe Bryant shoe. And she felt like what Nike was doing was holding that particular brand back. Uh, and we've seen Nike do this, and they do this on purpose, where they will, and we used to have a friend by the name of Wilson who used to, uh, he was charge of, uh, of the Andre Agassi line. And what they will do is they will create shoes, and then on purpose, they'll create a shortage of that particular shoe. And that gets out on the internet, and people start selling them, and people go crazy. And what they'll do is they'll take that market, they'll, they'll take the Nike Bruin and the Nike Cortez, and they'll just take them off the market. And they don't tell you when, and they don't tell you why. And then all of a sudden, everybody wants the Bruin, everybody wants a Cortez. I grew up with the Bruin and the Cortez, right? Chuck Taylors, you can always get the old Chuck Taylor. Not with a Bruin and a Cortez. And so Nike on purpose... They will pull these shoes off, and then they'll get three, four years down the road, and boom, maybe with a new pattern, a new color, they'll reintroduce the Cortez. They'll reintroduce the Bruin. And then they've been doing this with the Kobe Bryant shoe. It's right? the McRib of shoes. <laughs> anyway, she had a talk with Nike, and she said, you know, if, if you make the Kobe Bryant shoe available for everyone in every age category all the time – then maybe the shoe wouldn't become so expensive, especially in urban communities, because Kobe really wanted to see uh, kids of color, black and brown kids, wearing his shoes. He didn't want to see kids killing themselves over these shoes like we've seen with the Air Jordans over the years. We haven't heard much from, from Michael Jordan about this, but this was very important to Kobe and to his brand, that everybody could have access to the shoe. At the end of the day, I do think it's about dollars and cents for, for the Bryan estate and for Nike. But I also think it's about, they make a really good point. If, if that shoe is more accessible and there's more of those shoes all the time, uh, then we don't have kids killing each other for those shoes. And also a kid, you know, growing up in South Central LA, he'll have access to that shoe. Maybe he could buy that shoe. What say you? Because she said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to walk away. We're done with Nike. You can, if you've, if you've ever read the book Shoe Dog, you know that all the shoes, whether it's Adidas, whether it's Nike, goes on and on and on. There are factories overseas, specifically in China and in the Philippines and in Thailand, and it's all the same glue. It's all the same shoe. The difference is some of the bladders and some of that technology when Nike added air to it. Uh, that certainly was a game changer. But they have decided, we're going to go back to the same factories, and we're going to make Kobe Bryant's. 
They're not going to be Nike Kobe Bryant's, but we're going to make Kobe Bryant's and we're going to create more access for everyone. What are your thoughts? Well, I think uh, there's two things I'm thinking of. One, I think Kobe's name did elevate above the marquee for Nike. Like you think of them, people in the common usage would call them Kobe's. They wouldn't call them Nikes. Oh, is that right? And okay. so, um, and I think Jordan's the same way. And I think LeBron, in, in a way, is the same way. The, the other thing I just want to say, and I know this is a little bit off topic, I am befuddled a little bit by the deification of Kobe Bryant after he passed. He's a very flawed human being. Kobe Bryant, while he's a phenomenal all time basketball player, I'm never going to argue against his ability to play basketball. Very flawed human being. So when you say very flawed, I know of one instance. What were the other instances? Well, I mean... Because you bring that instance up a lot. But besides that... So let's not bring that instance up because we brought it up a lot and we talked right. about it before. Besides that one instance in the hotel when he was young, what what are all the other instances? Because I can give you all the other instances of all the schools he opened and all the kids he helped. What are you talking about? I'm saying that... that- what I don't like when it happens. What's flawed? What you I think th- that that's a big flaw to get. No, no, no. To, to get, we're taking that and we're putting that on the show. What's I the other? What's that. the other flaw? I don't know if I have a, a huge laundry list of well, other then flaws. You just made him very flawed over that over 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 that instance, and, and I I stand by that. Well, why would you stand by it? Because it was it, he he never went to jail for it, and it was settled out of court. Right, he he able to settle it. I just my point is when you when we deify someone when they pass away, and we turn them into this elevated version of themselves, and we don't consider the entire human being, um, I, I I think that that is a disservice, and 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 I think that his estate and Vanessa. Then the the rest of the family should be able to use his legacy and monetize it. And you're right, he did do. I think he did learn a lot of lessons from that when he was a young man, and uh, went on and did a lot of admirable things and was a great basketball player. Um, but and they can monetize that and go into the future. And if they want to go and just make their own shoe, I think they can probably do that, and it would probably sell a lot of shoes. Um, I I just always like to caution because that that's part of I think what happens in our society is we just have such selective memories about things and people and we want to make someone all of one thing or all of the other and i i i just like to try to keep it in balance that i don't think calling someone very flawed though is you being balanced and and i'll give you the final say well how many times have you been arrested Nineteen twenty. 27. I'm in Colorado. 34. Yeah, quite a few times. Quite a few times. Anyway, I'll tell you this. I'm probably more flawed than Kobe Bryant is. Uh, he did a lot of great things uh, uh, with his life, but I get what you're saying. Hey, you guys, thanks for stopping by and listening to episode 253 of the Ron and Don show. If people want to get in touch with us, how can they do it? Yeah, Ron and Don sit down.com or just email me directly, ron at windermere.com. Yeah, thanks for listening. And don't forget, if you're starting that real estate journey, uh, we would love to chat with you about it and uh, set up a Ron and Don sit down. They start every morning at 730. 
We've helped a lot of people in the Rondon Nation this year, and we have had a blast doing it. And we would love to meet and connect with you too. All right, you keep your head up. You keep your shoulders back. Just reach out to us at ronanddonsitdown.com. Have a great day, you guys. And we will see you next time for episode 254. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs>